The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. David was probably serving in in Saul's court when he, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, penned this psalm. And uh, he knew that Saul uh, had had aligned himself against him as his enemy, wanted to kill them. Uh, kill him. Most of Saul's officers were in conspiracy against David. Again, David had not done anything wrong. David was serving the Lord. David was in the place that he should have been. David was following the Lord, and uh, he was anointed king. Uh, And although David was anointed king, David had no authority to oppose Saul. Interesting that uh, God's anointing on your life doesn't give you the right to attack uh, God-given authority in your life. You know, sometimes that's what people say, oh, you know, I have God's hand, I'm doing what's right. I have. But yet, notice David said, he said, even though I'm anointed, I'm not going to touch God's authority. I'm not going to touch the authority that God has placed in my life. I'm not going to strike back at him. I'm not going to hurt him. Uh, I'm not going to, if you would, do what he's doing and gather a group of men to, uh, if you would, defend myself and to attack him and kind of overthrow Saul. Notice, David doesn't respond in the flesh at all. David responds spiritually to this situation. Isn't that the first thing? Because we're talking about how to prevent a heart attack, if you would, because this is an attack on our heart, isn't it? Sometimes that's what happens. I mean, we, we are, uh, the, the Bible tells us to protect our heart, uh, but we understand that the devil wants to attack our heart, uh, wants to, if you would, hinder our heart from following after the Lord. David was a man after God's own heart, and he followed after the Lord, the Bible says, with his whole heart. And so notice this attack is to discourage his heart, to keep him from following the Lord, to keep him from going after God with all his heart. A lot of times, isn't our knee-jerk reaction just somebody is attacking us and we want to attack them back? Somebody is, is, uh, is forming against us. And notice David even talk, talks about their words. He talks about their tongue. He talks about what they're saying, the lies that they're speaking about him. And, you know, a lot of times uh, we, we, are, we feel like we need to answer. We need to, we need to respond when somebody attacks us. And notice David... Uh, get some counsel from the Lord, but notice his reaction is a spiritual response here. And there's, uh, there's four things I want to look at tonight. Number one, what do you do uh, when uh, you're in the battles of life, when someone's attacking you? Number one, seek the Lord's protection. Seek the Lord's protection. Notice what David says in the first two verses. He says, Lord, hear my voice in my prayer. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. He doesn't say preserve my life from the enemy. He says preserve my life from the fear of the enemy. Isn't it interesting that uh, we understand tonight, hey, the devil cannot hurt us. He cannot harm us, but he can't hinder us, can he? Uh, he, can't, he, can't, he can't destroy us, but you know what he can do? He can make us, put us in a position where we fear him, where we fear him. We're afraid of what he's going to do to us where we're afraid of anything. Listen, anybody, if you're fearing anybody but the Lord, you're not going to have wisdom. If you're fearing anyone or anything other than the Lord, you're not going to be motivated uh, to, to, the, to the motions, to the actions that you should take uh, in the Christian life. You're going to be paralyzed. Don't we know that the fear of man brings a snare, the Bible says, that the fear of, uh, of others or what men can do to us paralyzes us. But listen, the fear of the Lord... Uh, give, brings motion to our lives. It causes us to take the right actions. But the fear of man paralyzes us from taking any action. And David's saying, Lord, protect me. 
And David kept saying, he said, hear my call, God, hear my voice. David didn't ask God to change the circumstances, but to fortify his own heart to deliver him from fear. A lot of times that's our our greatest enemy, isn't it? We're afraid. We're afraid to, because of uh, the attacks of others uh, or the response of others, sometimes we're afraid to do what's right. You ever uh, not do what you should because you're afraid of how someone's going to respond? Sometimes we're kind of, we're afraid of what someone might say or how someone might respond or how someone might act uh, if we're going to do what's right. If If I do what's right, somebody might criticize me. If I say what's right in this situation, uh, somebody may attack me. And uh, we can't be afraid of doing what's right because somebody might attack us. We can't live in fear. Are you with me tonight? We can't live in fear and say, I'm not going to do what's right. I'm not going to take the right step. I'm not going to follow the Lord. David said, God, help me not to be afraid of Saul. God, help me not to be afraid of man. God, help me not to be afraid of what others can do to me. God, deliver me from that fear. Fear is debilitating, isn't it? It can keep us from doing what we should. It can keep us from taking uh, the right actions. We're afraid of how others might respond uh, to us. And uh, lies about David were being passed from person to person. David knew that his life wasn't safe in Saul's court, but his life and his reputation were being attacked. And he knew this. He says, only the Lord can rescue me. Only the Lord can save me. Only the Lord can deliver me. Do we believe that tonight or not? Do we believe that only the Lord can save us? Only the Lord can deliver us. Only the Lord can rescue us. A lot of times we're asking God to help people stop attacking us when we should say, God, help me to keep doing what's right even when others attack me. I'm not necessarily ever going to live a life where people are not going to attack me when I'm doing what's right, but I need to continue doing what's right even when people attack me. What we're afraid of is keeping us from doing as we should. Notice he believed that protection was from the Lord. Protection was not in his own ability to defend himself. Protection was not going to come from what he could do or from his response. Protection was going to come from God. Hey, listen, we've got to believe tonight that when we do what's right, that God protects us. But we also need to acknowledge that when we do what's right, enemies attack us. But God is our protector, isn't he? God is our strength. God is our deliverer. God is, uh, Dave would say that over and over again, God, you're my high tower. God, hide me under the shadow of your wing. He said, uh, he said Lord, protect me. Seek the Lord's protection. The second thing he did was ask the Lord for wisdom. Ask the Lord for wisdom. Notice in verse number 3, he was describing the attack. He said, they're wetting their tongue like a sword. They're bending their bows to shoot arrows, even bitter words. Notice he's talking about what they're doing with their mouths. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They commune of laying snares privily. They say, who shall see them? Notice he says in verse number 6, they search out iniquities. They accomplish a diligent search, both the inward thought of every one of them. The heart is deep. David knew exactly what the enemy was saying. He knew exactly what the enemy was doing. And we need to know the strategy of Satan when he attacks us. We need to know what he's trying to do. And by the way, can we, can we just be clear tonight? The devil is our enemy. Other Christians aren't. Our, our real enemy is not other Christians. Our real enemy is the devil. And the problem is, is when we get in these fleshly wars... The the Bible tells us, uh, he says, from whence cometh wars and fightings among you, uh, come they not hence, even of your own flesh, which war against your soul. He said, hey, listen, when we fight against each other, when we fight fleshly battles, 
We understand the problem is in us. It comes from our own lust. It comes from our own sin. But what's he saying? He's saying, he said, God, I need wisdom because there's, there's enemies that are coming against me. Notice our enemy. We've got to know his strategy. As a lion, the Bible says the enemy comes to, to do what? To devour us. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8 that he's as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Not only that, but 2 Corinthians calls our enemy a serpent that comes to deceive. That's that same serpent from the Garden of Eden, right? That came to Eve and deceived her. And uh, as a serpent, he wants to deceive. As a lion, he wants to devour. Uh, The Bible tells us in Revelation and in Zechariah, one of his chief weapons is accusation. What does the devil do? Accuses you. He accuses you. He's an accuser of the brethren, isn't he? He comes and says, oh, you're doing this, you're doing that, and trying to point his finger at you and be an accuser of the brethren. Hey, listen, that's not the Holy Spirit of God. That's the devil, your enemy, that's trying to keep you from doing what God wants you to do. Uh, from, from, he wants to keep you in fear. Say, I can't do, I've done things that are wrong. Hey, listen, all of us could be accused of wrongdoing. We've all done wrong. Are you with me? But the reason why I'm not under condemnation tonight is not because of my good behavior. The reason why I'm not under condemnation tonight is because of Jesus Christ and his grace. And a lot of times we think, well, you know, as long as I keep doing what's right, I can never be accused. No, no, you can always be accused, but you won't be accused by God. You won't be accused by the Spirit of the Lord. What does the Spirit of the Lord do? Well, Matthew 18, Jesus teaches us how he deals with sin, doesn't he? In Matthew 18, uh, what happens when you sin? The Holy Spirit of God comes to you alone, and he doesn't tell anybody else. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, uh, say, hey, everybody over here, look what he's doing. Look what he did. Look at the wrong that this person did. And by the way, when I see Christians do that, you, you, could, you could say right away, the Spirit of the Lord is nowhere near any of that. When, the, when Christians become the accusers of the brethren, they start pointing out the faults of others. Uh, when they start, li- listen, kind of tooting the horn, say, hey, look over here, look what this brother or sister in Christ has done, look what they're doing. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love is a desire to restore and to heal. I'm not talking about someone who won't repent of wrongdoing. We're, the Bible is clear on how the Lord deals with that. But what I'm talking about tonight is we need to be able to discern with wisdom the difference between the devil's accusation and the Holy Spirit's conviction. Because the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin that is present in our lives. He doesn't come and accuse us of things that we used to do. He doesn't come and bring up stuff and say, hey, remember when you used to do that? Remember when you said that? Remember when you went there? Remember how you disowned? No, that's not what he does. He doesn't do that. God is merciful to us. God is gracious to us. Hey, this is our God. I put your sin as far away from the east as from the west, and I remember it no more. That's our God. And we need God's wisdom to be able to discern when we're being attacked. What what should we do? Well, you know, what we want to do is we want to attack back. Somebody said something to us, we want to say something back to them. Somebody, Somebody behaved one way to us, we want to behave the same way to them. And we need God's wisdom on how to respond. And also, here's where wisdom comes in. We need to be able to discern who our enemy really is. Sometimes the devil uses people, often uses people, doesn't he? And people that are, have given place to the devil in their life are easily used, even Christians, easily used to attack uh, God's children 
David compared his enemies' tongues to swords and their words uh, to poison arrows. But notice what he says. He says they were setting traps for for him, but God was going to use those traps on them. God, you with me tonight? God was going to destroy them with their own devices. God was going to tear them apart with their own weapons. You know what you need to do when you get attacked? Let that person's weapons that they try to form against the child of God destroy themselves. Because you don't need to form fleshly weapons against someone who's forming a fleshly weapon against you. You only need to keep doing what God's called you to do, not deterring from God's calling on your life, not deterring from God's direction in your life. You keep doing what's right, and their own weapons that they formed against you that won't prosper, their own weapons will be used against them. Noah answered the critics by finishing the ark. That's the greatest answer. Did Noah have critics? Absolutely. Did they come and call him a fool? Yes. Did they criticize him and say he was wasting his life? Absolutely. Did they think he was crazy because he was building an ark in the middle of dry land, uh, talking about some water falling from the sky that they had never seen? Boy, Noah trusted and believed in God, didn't he? And he answered his critics by finishing the ark. The way you answer those that criticize against you is you just continue to do what God's called you to do. And that is the best answer. Don't stop. Hey, what did Nehemiah say? He said, Nehemiah said, I'm doing a good work. I cannot come down to you. I cannot. Note what Nehemiah said. He said, said, the work that I'm doing is going to speak for itself. I like what it says later in the chapter. So the wall was built. And guess what happened? His critics shut up. They didn't have anything to say anymore. They didn't have any words to attack him with. He, he finished what God called him to do. Listen, any, if, you, if you don't want to be criticized, then do nothing, say nothing. You know, just, just don't ever set out to accomplish anything because anybody who tries to accomplish anything is going to be criticized by people. And sometimes people that even call themselves Christians do that. And they try to attack you. And the truth is tonight, all of us go through these things and we don't know, sometimes we don't know what to do. How do I respond? Do I answer? No, you don't need to answer. You know, your answer is just, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing here. I'm going to keep doing what God's called me to do. Just keep moving forward. Uh, A lot of times uh, what Christians do is they allow these attacks to keep them from serving God. They quit. Well, if this is what it's going to be like when I try to do what's right, people are going to make fun of me. They're going to criticize me. They're going to they're going to say things about me that aren't true, then I guess I'm just not going to do what's right then. You know how many people have said that? A lot. A lot of people have quit doing what God's called them to do because they didn't get the response that they wanted or they didn't get the results that they wanted or, or they were opposed and they had opposition uh, to the tasks that they were doing. The man of God is truly never untroubled and never unopposed. Uh, As we understand, we have a very real enemy tonight, don't we? And the enemy, again, is not each other, but he would like us to believe that. He would like us to believe that. You know, a lot of times uh, what we do is when we think about what I'm talking about, the subject tonight, what we do in our minds, humanly speaking, is we think of someone instead of our real enemy. That's the danger sometimes in preaching a message like this. People start thinking in their mind, who's he talking about? Or I know somebody that does that. Here's the truth. We've all done that. We've all been critics, perhaps, of someone else's work. 
We've all been, if you would, a little too critical uh, when we watch someone else do something that maybe we didn't understand because it was God's call on their life and not on our life, and maybe they weren't doing things the way we would do them. But can I, can I share something with you? When God's doing something, if you can explain it, it's probably not God doing it. Why in the world do we think that everything God does, we should be able to explain? I think the best way to know if God's done something is you and I can't explain it. We, we, we come away and we say, I have no idea how that happened. I have, I have no idea how that got accomplished. I have no, you know how many times I say that in my life? I have no idea how that happened. I have no idea how that got accomplished. Now, I understand, listen, there was things that human instrumentation, things that needed to happen. But apart from that, I'm thinking, yeah, I know that we were involved. Yeah, I know that we worked. Yeah, I know that we labored. But... There's no way that we could have accomplished this. That's the kind of work I want to be involved in. How about you tonight? But that's the kind of work that is greatly criticized. Because when you can't, when you can't explain something or explain it away, people respond in criticism because it's the only thing they can do. You, you look at um, people that criticize us because we believe in that God created the heavens and the earth. See, because they cannot explain it away, the only thing they can do is criticize it, cut it down, call it foolishness. Listen, it doesn't matter how much people want to criticize and call truth foolishness, it doesn't change the truth. But sometimes Christians get so involved with arguing with the other side, they stop living out the truth. They stop doing what the Bible says. They're so busy trying to answer, 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 answer all the time when the very best answer is just live out what God's Word says and let that be your answer. The body of your life should be your greatest answer. What you do with your life, the direction of your life. Notice we need God's wisdom tonight. I, I think James 1, 5 is great, uh, a great promise that we all need to claim. How about you? If any man lack wisdom... Let him ask of God, because he gives it liberally. He gives it, he, he just pours it out. He gives it to us. Listen, you know what's great tonight? He didn't say you have to have this much education to get wisdom. As a matter, matter of fact, if you trust in your education, it'll be the thing that keeps you from wisdom. Education is great. Knowledge is great. We shouldn't, we shouldn't desire to be foolish. But the truth is, we don't trust in our flesh, and we don't trust in our mind. We trust in the Lord with all of our heart. You know, one day we're going to forget the things that we know, but I hope we never forget God and the wisdom that God has for us. Not only did he he ask God for wisdom, but uh, number three tonight, trust the Lord for victory. Trust the Lord for victory. Notice verse number seven. He said, but God shall shoot at them with an arrow, suddenly they shall be wounded, so they shall make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away. By depending on the Lord, by obeying God's direction, David was confident that God would defeat his enemies. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, what does it tell us? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You know what we need? We need to be strong. As Christians, we need to be strong. We're a little too weak, aren't we? A little too weak. We, we, we're a little too intimidated. We're a little too, if you would, um, passive. Uh, we're a little too disimpassioned about what God has called us to do. We need to be passionate 
about our calling, about our position, about what God has placed us here to do and be bold for the Lord Jesus Christ. We admire a lot of bold Christians in the Bible, but we don't emulate them enough. You with me? We look at them, we think, boy, these are great people. Boy, they, they were just courageous and they were bold. Why? What gives us boldness? What gives us confidence? Because true spiritual confidence doesn't come from, if you would, our, our, our persona. It doesn't come from who we think, well, you know, we just, we're just confident because uh, uh, it comes from looks, it comes from energy, it comes from personality. No, true biblical confidence comes from the Lord because we're trusting in the Lord with all of our heart. If you trust in the Lord, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with being confident as a Christian. We ought to be, and, and be confident of this very thing, that he that hath begun a good work, being confident, being confident, the Bible says, he that hath begun a good work in you is faithful, what? To complete it. You can be confident that God is not going to stop working on you and in you. You can be confident that God's work is not done in this world. You can be confident that God is still seeking to save the lost. You can be confident that the gospel of Jesus Christ still has power. Do we believe that or not? I think the reason why we don't share it is because we're not confident in it. We think we need to... You know, some people, this is what they do. When I get confident enough in myself, then I'll share the gospel. No. When you get confident enough in yourself, you'll share your knowledge. But when you're confident in the gospel, you'll share the gospel. And you don't have to be confident in yourself to be confident in the gospel. You can believe that the gospel works and not have self-confidence. As a matter of fact, self-confidence is a hurdle from confidence in God. You're going to have to push that out of the the way. People that are self-confident tend to trust in their own words and their own explanations of things rather than God's word. You know what what, what can bring confidence tonight, tonight even in preaching is that I believe this. Do you believe this? If we believe this, we can have confidence tonight. We can have boldness tonight. We can say, hey, this works. I know that it works. Maybe if the world saw Christians that were less confident in themselves and more confident in God and God's word, maybe they'd wonder what was in here more instead of wonder if they needed to be more like us. I think when people come in, they shouldn't say, well, I need to be more like these. I think they should say, well, these are people that really are confident that if they're more like God's word says they should be, then there's going to be victory. There's going to be success. I don't have to have a question mark about in my life about whether things are going to happen good or I'm going to have success. The Bible says that I can have good success, that my way is going to be prosperous. Sometimes it doesn't feel prosperous. You ask anybody that has had success in any field in this world, sometimes when they're successful, it doesn't feel very successful. Sometimes people are looking and people think, boy, they're having a measure of success. They don't, a lot of times, most people that are actually successful, if their head and their heart are in the right place, they feel like a failure. Most of the people that we admire for innovation, for inventions, most of them believe themselves to be failures. They believe themselves to not have accomplished much or anything. And some of them made some of the greatest contributions uh, to, the, to, to our world, to education, that we could ever think. Hey, listen, uh, sometimes we're just, we're, we think, boy, I just need to be confident in myself. No, we need to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. You know, David's enemies shot arrows at him suddenly. 
So the Lord suddenly shot arrows at them. You won't need to fight for yourself. I think one of the greatest illustrations of this is the last battle of Armageddon. Who's going to fight that battle? The same person has been fighting your battles in this life. It's amazing. We think we're going to be there. We're, going to, we're not going to fight the battle. Jesus is going to fight that battle. And by the way, he's the only one to fight your battles in this life too. The, the reason why he fights the last battle is he's the only one that's able to overcome. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hey, we are overcomers because of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one that's able to overcome. Death, hell, and the grave. And so when death, hell, and, when death, hell, and Satan and all, all of his followers come after the Lord, hey, the Lord is going to step in and he's going to destroy all those enemies. The best thing you and I can do is stand back and see the salvation of the Lord. The best thing you and I can do is just say, yeah, we're behind you, Lord. We trust in you. We trust, some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. We trust in the Lord. Sometimes you think, well, it's foolish not to do anything. No, sometimes it's the wisest thing you can do. Something, some think it's foolish not to say anything, but sometimes it's the wisest thing you can do. To do nothing and to say nothing when you're being attacked. You say, what should I do? Trust in the Lord. You say, that takes faith. It does. But what in this life, spiritually speaking, can be accomplished without faith? Without faith, it's impossible even to please the Lord. Trust the Lord for victory. And then number four tonight, give the Lord the glory. Give the Lord the glory. Because David sought the Lord for protection, and he asked the Lord for wisdom, and he trusted the Lord for victory, he couldn't take any of the credit. You with me tonight? A lot of times why we try to take the credit is because we're the ones that were doing it all along. So we have no problem uh, um, sharing the platform with the Lord. You with me? Look what I've done for the Lord. See, Lord, Lord, you can share this platform with me. We add God, if you would, to our glory when we should be giving God all the glory. When you're doing it, when I'm doing it, we can take the credit. But when he's the one that's done it, only he can get the glory. And he, he shares his glory with nobody. Not me, not you. We, we, need, to, we need to acknowledge tonight that uh, to God be the glory. He, he's the one that does it all. He's the one that's in it all. He's the one that should get the credit for it all. As the nation watched the defeat of David's enemies and his exaltation as king, think about this tonight. A man head and shoulders above the rest, Saul. David, the least of his brothers and a shepherd. David is exalted to the position of king and Saul is demoted and the kingdom is rent from him. Who could do that but God? Who could take a shepherd boy that nobody cared about, that nobody knew about, and that nobody wanted to even invite to the party, if you would, and put him on the throne? I mean, the enemies of Saul, the Philistines, laughed when David walked into the valley. My dog 
You're going to chase me away with a stick? I mean, you're going to send this little child out here to fight me? Listen, what everybody else thought was insignificant, God said, I can get glory from that. That's how God works. God will use someone who is willing to give him the glory. Who's willing not to say, hey, listen, oh, I'm the least of my brothers. Oh, I don't deserve, oh, no. No, hey, listen, when God chose to anoint David as king, David knelt and obeyed. David didn't say, oh, yeah, of course, I knew this was going to happen. I deserve this. Now, David was humbled by the experience. As a matter of fact, I think there was, there was probably periods of doubt in his mind about whether God had made the right choice. What in the world? Why me? I'm not, even on the, I'm not even called to the battlefield. Well, my brothers are on the battlefield. I'm still tending my father's sheep. But all along, God was preparing a king, wasn't he? And the greatest king that Israel ever had. And the king who God's uh, established his throne forever one day will sit upon the throne of David. Hey, listen, that's only something God can do with a person. Sometimes we look at life and we think, boy, this is just, I'm just a nobody. I'm a nothing. I can't accomplish anything. There's nobody that want to pick me or use me. I don't have the talents, the abilities, the persona, the courage, or the confidence. Uh, I'm, I'm not somebody that can do all the things that I think uh, need to be done. In order. Hey, listen, somebody can do all the things that everybody thinks and has the look and has the this and has the that. That's a person who's going to have to battle against themselves in order to be used of God. It would be much better for God just to use somebody who... People look and underestimate, think nothing's going to come from. Boy, they could never accomplish. That's the greatest thing because people stand back and go, how in, the, how in the world did that happen? How in the world did victory come? How in the world? There's no way that David could have done that. I mean, a whole kingdom was aligned against a shepherd boy. First, the Philistines, and they fell. You think, you think Israel would have learned their lesson. The Philistines fell to David, and then Israel tried to fight David, and they fell too. Because God's purposes are always accomplished, and God's will is always done. You with me? We believe that or not. I mean, I think sometimes we, we fight so much for our will to be done that we, we kind of struggle with the fact that we think God's will is always done. God's will is always done. You know what I know? That it's not me accomplishing God's will that's going to get the job done. It's God's will that's going to be done with or without me. That means if I fail, God's will still gets done and he gets to use somebody else other than me. Because God has to move people out of the way that think they're accomplishing God's will, if you would. A lot of times that's what we, uh, I'm doing God's will for my life. No, no, hopefully you're giving your life for God's will. Hopefully you're saying, I, I just want to be used of God. I don't deserve to be used, but I, I want to be used. And God, if you'll use me, if you'll use me, I'll give you the glory. It's hard to do, though, isn't it? Because we live in a glory-hungry world. We want the glory. We want the recognition. We want the honor. We want the praise. Faith expects to see God do the impossible. What do we need today? We need more of the impossible. We need more of the impossible. We see too much in God's church that can be done through the means of men. We think if we just get more men and more money, we can do it. No, if we don't get God, we can do nothing. 
I don't care how many men you have and how much money you have. Because always, the men with the most money and the most number, a lot of those guys, they got killed. They got defeated. So is it going to take men and money? Sure, but is it going to take just men and money? No, it's going to take God. If we don't have God, you, you can forget all of the work that we do and what we accomplish. A lot of times we think, well, today we're going to get up and we're going to do uh, we're going to do God's will. Well, we better hope that God's with us or we're not going to do anything. Because either we believe without God we can do nothing or we just say that. Because we sure do try to do a lot without God, don't we? I'm just being honest tonight, don't we? We sure do try to do a whole lot without God. This is what the average Christian does. They try to do it without God, and then they fail, just like God says. And then they ask God to clean it up. God, bail me out. God said, you should have done this with me the first time. How many have learned life, life lesson that way? Boy, I have. And it's amazing because the second time, doing it the same way, but with God, it gets accomplished. You know what God's saying? You couldn't do it without me. That's why. It's like a child trying to lift something that is impossible for them to lift. The father, when he's there, boy, they can lift it. But we can't lift it without him. Listen, you can't bear life's burdens. You can't face life's enemies. You can't go through life's difficulties without God. We need God. We need the church of the living God to believe they need God again. Or we're just going to be a church of a dead God and not the living God, because a lot of people say God, and they're serving a dead God. With me tonight? The Jews up the road believe they're serving the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they're not. Just because they say God, and they mean the God of this Bible, doesn't mean they're serving that God. They're, ser- they're serving another God. They're serving a God of religion. If we're not careful, we'll fall prey to the same thing, and we'll just be a blemish in history as well. I don't care how right we think we are. It's amazing with a group of individuals that, that pride themselves in always being right about things like the Word of God and doctrine and the Bible that we can do so much bad and so much wrong in this world because we try to do it without God. It cannot be accomplished through the means of the flesh. When we get attacked, hey, listen, why in the world do we think that we're going to accomplish something? God, listen, when we try to do it in the flesh, we already failed. We already failed. But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Do you believe that tonight? You know, I'm saying that because I want to believe that tonight. I'm saying that because I want some young people to believe that tonight. I'm not saying that to play to the crowd that's not even here. I'm saying it tonight to, so that this group of people, individuals that God has assembled here tonight on a Sunday night, will believe God once again for the impossible. You know what you'll remember when you see it one day? You say, I remember when we just believed God for what we couldn't accomplish and what God allowed us to see because we just trusted God. We won't trust God. We're going to fail. Trust the Lord for victory. Give God the glory. It isn't enough to know the works of God. We must seek to understand His way and learn how to please Him. You know, David's great concern was that the Lord be glorified. If we were mostly concerned in our life, if not completely concerned that God would get the glory with our lives, we would do less wrong. 
If we just say, I'm not going to do this because it doesn't bring God the glory. Not I wonder if there's any Bible verse in, in Scripture that says I'm not allowed to. Isn't that what spiritual maturity is? When we just start to say, I'm going to do only what brings God glory. And if it doesn't bring God's glory, then I'm just not going to, not that it would be a sin, not that it would be wrong, not that it's, it's forbidden in Scripture. You know, some Christians, they're just waiting for, find the chapter and verse. It says, I'm not supposed, how about this? Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And if it doesn't bring glory to God, then let's, how about we take a step back and say, let's do more that brings glory to God. Let's do less of what we want to do. Because we live in a lascivious age where people are looking for more license to do what they shouldn't that brings them glory. And then asking God for the bailout when they fail. We have got to be, once again, a church that has good success. Where people stand back and say, I have no idea how that small group of individuals accomplished so great, so great a task. These that have turned the world upside down have come hither also. Listen, when, when God's success is seen in the world, lost people even take note of it. They step back and go, I don't know how that group is. I have no idea how that, those individuals have accomplished this. I believe God gives influence to the people who give him glory. And uh, I don't think he cares much about what they label themselves. But sometimes our label keeps us from giving God the glory. Because a label is a self-glorification label. I'm not saying that I, I don't think that you ought to have a label tonight. But I think your label ought to be a Christian. And I want to bring God to glory. A lot of times all this other stuff that people are worried about, they're more worried about if they can shelf you or file you in a certain... I'd rather be filed with a group of individuals in the Word of God of whom the word, word, world was not worthy, who lived by faith and accomplished great things for the Lord than have the praise of men for a few minutes on this earth. What do we do when we get attacked? We seek the Lord's protection. We ask for the Lord's wisdom. We trust in the Lord for victory. And we give the Lord the glory. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.